Yes, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Finnish Football Show. Thank you for joining us. I'm Mark Wiltshire from the Explore Finland radio show podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my two co-hosts. Currently at the top of the screen, as we're looking at it, is Mark from FC Suomi. Hello. Hi, Mark. And down at the bottom, because he joined a minute or two later, is Rich from EscapeToSuomi.com. And already you're doing the hands. So those that are watching live, first of all, you can see on the on the screen in the bottom of each box, little hands. If you like what we're saying, give us some props. Use the hands. Thank you very much, whoever that was. Uh, or are we giving each other props at the moment? Okay, fair enough. That's a good way to start. Um, <laughs> last time the, it all went horribly in the favour of Mark and he ran away with it. So let's, uh, let's try not for him to be the favourite again this week. This is episode five of the Finnish Football Show, where we ask, is this the worst time to have started a podcast about Finnish football? Um, Having watched some of the games recently, I was beginning to think that. So when Mark came up with that idea for a title, I was was quite quite pleased to go along with it. Um, We want your input. So those of you that are watching live, you can see on the right-hand side of the screen is the message bar. If you've got any comments to make, by all means, make your comments in there. Um, If you've got, um, oh, and and also if you're listening to the podcast afterwards, then use social media to get in touch with us. You'll find all of us on Twitter. I'm at Explore Finland. Mark is at FC Suomi. And Rich is at Escape to Suomi. So all all fairly straightforward to find us. Um, If you're watching live, remember, if you do slash and Q before you ask a question, it will pop the question up on the left-hand side of the screen, um, or you can use the hashtag uh, FFS5, and I think, as normal, Rich is probably going to keep an eye on Twitter. Um, If you've got something to say, bring it on, bring it to us. And also remember, just hang around at the end of the show. We normally have a little bit of off-the-record where we decompress come down slowly after the buzz of the show uh, and have a little bit of a chat. So um, if you want to hang around for that, feel free. And the podcast will be coming in a couple of days. So keep your, keep your ears out and we'll make sure we share that on social media when it, when it comes there. Uh, I just wanted to say before we start, thanks to Huck and to Keke for the recordings they did in between this show and the previous show. We also put out a podcast, which we, brilliantly titled the Finnish football shorts uh some shorter articles about Finnish football and Keke and Huck all uh, both wrote articles and then read them and we we put that out as a as a podcast separate podcast and I'm quite keen quite happy to do a bit more of that so if any of you listening live on the podcast or whatever have got something to say and you want to say it into a microphone then why not get in touch with us and um, and let us know you've got something and we can arrange how we how we get that file and uh, and what we do with it. And I think last time we had two articles on the same subject. It doesn't have to be the same subject. It can be two or three. It depends if, uh, you know, how much stuff comes through. We're, we're quite easy. So uh, it just helps us keep putting a, a few more shows out and uh, means that me, Mark and Rich don't have to do quite all the work. And- Which we don't mind doing because we love it. <laughs> we do we do love it and i just wanted to say welcome to julian uh who's a friend of mine here in sanioki who's joined us for the first time he joined blab for the first time so a big kiss to you jules before we uh go any any further just uh, a couple of reminders to you rich i've got a list no. here no f-bombs yeah no biscuits <laughs> 
And no upsetting Yuha Malinen if you can get away with it in the next hour. And I'm sure. Please, I've got I've got two kilo tub of Haribo that keep going. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. It's good. Less less noise. <laughs> um, and, and I get a feeling that we're probably going to add to the list of things that Rich shouldn't do as each week I, goes by. So this would get longer I, and longer. It is good. I've got one to add. I think we have to watch out on his on his name dropping because he's offended basically half of the Vacos League now. So it's really easy for him to to like mix up his celebrity status. Like a keyboard warrior. <laughs> <laughs> should we should, should we talk about that a little bit later in the show? Yeah, go on. Go go yeah. through Rich's indiscretions in in a little bit more detail later on. That needs a whole separate podcast. <laughs> God, what Rich did? <laughs> Quite serial. So so maybe that could be the the next finished football shorts. Mark is just that me and you can read out the the uh, transcript of Rich's arguments on Twitter with people from the Bakehouse League. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> okay, so on with. FFS5, is this the worst time to have started a podcast about Finnish football? And we're going to approach this in in a few different stages. Firstly, as normal, we'll do some news, and I'm sure that, that news will will cover some of the uh, some of the less happy, less positive things that have been going on recently. Um, then we will touch on the recent international friendlies that we endured, enjoyed. And then finally, we'll look at the the Vekas Liga 2016. There's been a few games played already uh, in last weekend, and we'll look forward to what we think is coming up for the rest of the season, whatever we can glean from the first first few games. So, first of all, why don't we do some news? I've talked enough. I'm going to go first to Rich. What's the news story that's caught your eye most recently? Well, it uh, came up last week, and again, it was something that I was inadvertently involved in. Um, Antti Okunen, the ROPS captain, was injured in their cup win over Hercules last week. Uh, it was an 8-0 victory for ROPS, uh, pretty straightforward cup win. Um, but Okunen had his leg broken as a result of a rather serious but late challenge. Um, now... Obviously, this came out. It was a, a bad 8-0 win, if you can call it that. Uh, the next day, one of the PS Kemi players who'd played them in a friendly the week before said it was essentially karma for a number of rash challenges that he'd put in on, um, that Ockenen had put in on the game. And uh, one of his teammates then jumped in and shared a newspaper photograph of a challenge that Ockenen did on one of his teammates which looked just as serious from the photograph but didn't result in any injury. Um, needless to say, because I was copied in on the tweets, because they were replies to my initial picture of his leg being broken, because that's the sort of thing I do, um, the players involved decided to tweet a little bit and uh, a few ROPS fans got some rather tasty replies. Eventually the club, Pierce Kemi, apologised on their players' behalves and the players themselves fell on their sword and gave a very forced apology. Almost um, identical apologies. They were, yeah. And, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, everyone's human at the end of the day, but it was a nasty challenge and a nasty injury. Uh, the player who caused the injury did come out and apologise, which, you know, fair enough. Apparently it was even Juha Malin and said it was just of over-exuberance rather than any malice as such. They all got a little bit too het up. But, uh, but yeah, that uh, that went a little bit crazy for that, that day or so. 
It's a bad challenge, though. Oh, he yeah. Went through, he went through the back of him. Yeah. And took, just, he basically took everything. But I don't even know if he got the ball at the end of it, but he absolutely smashed through everything. I mean, Antiochenen is that kind of... He's that kind of player. Like he's, um, he mixes it up himself and he does throw it around when he's in the middle of the pitch. Yeah. Um, but you can't wish. You can't go. You can't go around wishing. Like you, nobody deserves a broken leg. Oh, you know what I mean. Yeah. And the, you know he's he's now going to be struggling to make any appearances for the rest of the season. It's you know his tibia and his fibula both broken, and uh, you know with only a six and a half month season, he's. You know he's going to be a big miss, especially with the players they've lost over the summer, uh, winter, Ooh. off season. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and it, it was actually a couple of um, British players that were were getting involved in the uh, in the arguments afterwards. Yeah, they. Um, I mean, some of the the jokes again I've referred to in previous podcasts about your mum being the sort of extent of the, the intellectualism around the insults, but um, but yeah, and. No, you know, I, I guess sometimes, you know, my involvement in lower league English football, you kind of, it happens, it gets done. And the thing with social media is, you know, it, it doesn't take long for these things to get jumped on, especially if you're a player or a top division club, you know, bad taste and everything. But, you know, they've apologised, they've deleted the tweets and uh, we'll see what sort of reception they get when they play in Rovaniemi. Yeah, that could be interesting. We'll get the old uh, subscription TV channel fired up for that one. I think. <laughs> um, so, Mark, what was your... Well, actually, you had so many news items that I put two down in the list. So, by all means... And, and what you normally do at this point is say, oh, yeah, yeah, something else has just happened in the last five minutes. Something else has happened <laughs> in the last five minutes. It's, I mean, so it's... I mean, I don't know if, if, it's, if, it's, our, if it's our sort of like karmic timing, but... but uh, Asiko just went through in the Swarming Cup on penalties against PS Kemi. So it was nil-nil after 90 minutes. Uh, they went one-nil down and then Ruperiski equalized. They went to penalties. And I think it went to so it even went to sudden death. And it was Younes Rahimi who missed the penalty in uh in the Liga Cup final, was the one who scored the um the winning spot kick. So uh Asiko went through, PS Kemi went out. Uh in Poland, Lech, Lech Poznan just went through. Paweł Zauriuri just played 90 minutes to get them through to the final of the Polish Cup. So they're going to go and play probably Legia Warsaw, who were 4-0 up in the first leg of the semi-final. So it'll be Kasper Hamelainen against Lech Poznan in the Polish, Polish Cup final this season as well. So that's a pretty pretty tasty update. I mean, the, the new story that did catch my eye like before all that was, was the Palolito chairmanship, which comes up. They vote on it in Tampere on the 23rd and the 24th of April, uh, so two, three weeks from now. And as far as it looks at the minute, Berti Alaya is, is unopposed, running for the uh, head of the, the chairman of the, of the Finnish FA, which I have to say, after, after the kind of... He's been in, in, the, in the post since, since Saulini so since 2012. And in that time, I think I have to say that <laughs> Again, like as I think, as we'll get onto later, even by Finnish standards, we've we've gone down and we've regressed to such an extent that you have to ask really what the kind of the leadership is all about and what the direction is of the Palolito. Hans Bakker's appointment looks a bit suspicious—not suspicious, but it looks a bit. It looks really unam- unambitious. Is probably the best word for it. Um, he stuck by Miksu when everybody else realised that Miksu was going nowhere. And then he stuck the boot into Mixu like when the results stopped coming. So he kind of 
didn't act but didn't support the team. And and I think all around it's just a bit for Finland to progress something we need to kind of have a big plan and we need to really be smart because we don't have the resources um of the of other nations. So we need to have a good leadership. It's funny and I don't think sorry. No, go, he, go ahead. Uh, um Ali Lati, the uh, owner of Coops, Coops, is apparently being sort of almost pushed forward as a a candidate on behalf of the Vekos League clubs, um, yeah. which seems a little bit like they're looking after their own interests, if nothing else. I mean, the thing is, Ari Lati's got, he's one of those guys that's got a good, he's got a good uh, track record in, in business with Ice Capital, so he's 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 done management, he's done administration, he's done organizational uh, development, he's made money. Coops, they're not having a great time, as again we'll get into later. Um, but they've been but they've been the Vekos Liga for, I don't know, 10 years, something like that. You know, they're a stable Vekos Liga team. And he knows he knows that the efforts of the Palolito at the minute don't stretch to make, like they don't, they're not thinking in the, in the Palolito about how clubs are going to make money, how players are going to develop how the national team is going to progress. And that's exactly kind of what they should be thinking about. That's exactly what a progressive football association needs to do. That's what other football associations are doing. And that's why Finland is getting left behind. So, as I mean, I like, I like Ari Lati. And I think the other one was Oli, Oli Rehn, who's a proper politician, used to, used to play for Mikkelin Paloliat back in the 70s. So there's two two sort of candidates out there, but there's no there's no one really willing to kind of step up and take it, which is sad, I think, because you know it's 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 the leadership of of football. It's the guy that basically says Hans Back is doing a good job or a bad job, and it, you think all of the hassle that we had over Mixu about finances and about all the other kind of sob stories, and then when he went and put the applica- put it like to an open application. Uh, the the post for the Finnish manager's job, and then when you find out that guys like like Lippi, like Stuart Pearce, uh, had applied to the job, had actually gone through the the sort of weird process in football of of sending your CV, which just doesn't happen happen in football, to a to a Finnish football decision, and then not even be considered or in, like taken forward. I think that's a real I don't know. It, it, it's a real deficiency at the top. And we'll come on in a minute, I think, to how that that managerial decision has uh, has manifested itself in the in the last few months and both get, of those get the, get the bleep machine ready <laughs> <laughs> i haven't yet needed to bleep anyone but that, this this might be a time where the editing i'm going to pass the editing back to you i think mark you can edit your own your own uh, indiscretions um but both of those stories were very interesting neither of them were what i actually had on the agenda so well done you've done it again and you've done it as a double whammy this week um my my story uh, that I just wanted to to sort of throw into the uh, into the arena is this idea of a kind of Nordic hosted um, Euro twenty twenty four competition, hmm. which it seems. I mean, I know that that in twenty uh, twenty it's going to be hosted by. I mean, every country is basically going to be playing home games pretty much. It's, it's been spread around so far. Um, but it seems that each each competition, there's more and more and more countries getting involved in hosting these games. And when you look at uh, England makes a bid and then they say, well, we, you know, some games could be played in Scotland or in Wales or, or whatever. And you think, OK, geographically, they're fairly, 
fairly close together and easy to get to. It's still spreading it out over many, many countries, but still. Then you look at the Nordics and the idea that it would be mainly maybe Sweden plus Norway or Denmark co-hosting it and then games being played also in the other one of Norway and Denmark, maybe in Helsinki, maybe in Iceland and, you know, really spreading it a long, a long way geographically. And who's the host? I mean, how big does the competition have to get just to fit in all the host countries into the draw? Well, I mean, in that in that kind of setup, you can't expect five teams to, to qualify automatically. So, you know, for a fact, <laughs> Finland's not going to be one of them. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and, and also, yeah. there's only really one one stadium in Finland that could hold a game of that size, I guess, which is the Olympic Stadium and, in Helsinki. And even when that's done up, that's not going to be big enough to hold, say, the final. It might ha- yeah. might be for group stages and maybe a first sure. knockout round, but uh, the UEFA have do have some quite strict rules about capacities, and uh, that's why 2020 they've already said the final semis are at Wembley, and that was on the proviso that England would then support Germany's bid for to host 2024, but now their talk of how they got rights to the 2006 World Cup is now starting to come out of the woodwork. They're now slowly moving back again. So it's a long and, time. And, and I don't want to like uh, link it. Uh, I suppose link it too much to, to my own news piece, but but Perti Alaya was linked with uh, the Scandinavian bid that was put forward for Euro 2008. Mm-hmm. And if you go back to, to I haven't looked at it like in full detail, but if you go back to that proposal, and that was a proposal that Finland, Sweden, and Denmark only would host Euro 2008, the proposal that they've got this time is, is pretty much exactly the same. There's no, like, there's no outlay for, for I mean, they've only just started the discussions, but there's not going to be any particular big investment in infrastructure. There is no way you can have like 30, 40,000 seater stadiums like across Scandinavia because there's only the places that need that, that kind of stadium have that kind of stadium. There's places that can sustain it. So I think it's a bit of a, it's funny that it comes out just at the time that, that Alaya and a, and a, a couple of other, a couple of other uh, uh, association chairmen are going up for re-election. Mm. It would be, I guess it would be, I I quite like the idea that, you know, from a selfish point of view, for those of us that are watching this, that are based here in Finland, the idea of being able to hop on a train, the now much less expensive train service (laughs) that we're being offered here in Finland, pop down. (laughs) Slightly. I got a 20 euro one-way ticket to Helsinki um, with with three weeks' notice. So that's not bad. That's not bad going. That isn't bad. The Finnish Football Show, sponsored by VR. <laughs> uh, that's your plug. There, there was no plug. There's certainly no that's money. That's how they do it. We can't even say that other train companies are available. Well, they will be soon, Rich. That's, uh, that's coming. That's coming. <laughs> um, and what, just you wait, Finland, until there's privatised trains. You don't know what's hit you. You complain about the prices on the trains nowadays. You wait till they're privatised. Then you've got some yeah. fun and games. Um, <laughs> but, but being able to hop down to Helsinki and, and see... The uh, games in the finals of that kind of competition is is quite appealing, but it does seem a little bit unfocused when you've got you know umpteen different and and obviously I guess Sweden is the biggest country, the biggest population, and probably has more big stadiums and and could handle bringing some more online as well. So you know, well they've they've hosted a World Cup. Well, it was a long time ago. Fifty was it? Maybe twelve teams in that one. <laughs> 
Yeah, fifty was it fifty four? Fifty eight, I think. Yeah, fifty eight. Oh yeah, Pele's first. Yeah, mm. that's right. Okay, Mark. Now's the time for you to get very grumpy. Let's move on <laughs> from the news. Let's talk about those international games. Okay. We, um, we, uh, let, let's just explain to everyone. We were all obviously watching in our own locations at home and, and whatever, but the, the three of us were in touch on uh, on WhatsApp, and it was it was quite good to have somebody to just sort of share the pain with. <laughs> take take it take it away. Let's let's talk about the Poland game. Sharing the pain is, is, is a lot what being a Finland fan is all about. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like 90% of the deal. I mean, I th- I, I, Finnish, Finnish, Finnish football fans, any, anybody that's watched Finland for, for a long time, like for, for a couple of years, knows, knows that, you know, our kind of classic approach is that we get within a small distance of success, close enough just to taste it, and then we shoot ourselves in the foot. Or we throw it away early and then try and build up a response later on when it's too little too late. Um, But the worrying thing about the Poland game was that Poland, they're a a, a good second-tier team. So they're not like Germany or Brazil or or probably even France. They're probably at the same sort of level as, as as maybe England. And they've done, they've had a couple of great results, particularly in in qualifying, they beat Germany 2-0 at home. Uh, and they're all about energy and attack. They've sc- I think they have one of the best scoring records in, in, in all of the European qualifications. They've built their side basically around uh, Lewandowski, and they've, they've, they've got a lot of players outside of Lewandowski that pose an attacking threat. And all of this is, is, was not like a secret before we played them. And when we set up with the 4-4-2 that we went with, we weren't stable we weren't rigid. We weren't. Uh, we didn't close the space. We set up in a way that looked like we were trying to counterattack with two, with in like a almost like a Leicester City type way. And all it did was leave our fullbacks exposed, and, and, and the the middle of the pitch really vacant. I mean, for the first, I think ten fifteen minutes, it looked a couple of times like there were players switching positions in midfield, and um, it was really worrying. Because you know what you get when you play somebody like Poland. You get high pace, you get flexibility, you get uh, interchanging of positions and short passes, and you get pressing all the time, like high, heavy pressing uh, that's, that's designed to, to frustrate, that's designed to remove possession, turn over the ball, and then hit you again. And we didn't really see that coming. And I, it, it sort of struck me as, as, as incredible that, that it wasn't it wasn't prepared for and in particular from 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 wide areas i mean the goals that we conceded i think except for one they all came from in and around the the six yard box and it was from pacey wingers isolating the fullbacks getting crosses in uh hitting the middle and then the the forwards themselves left with relatively simple simple first touches i think the third goal was from the edge of the box but everything else it went down the flanks it came inside it was all not the same, but but similar in terms of defending. If you wanted to stop the attacks, you had to cover the fullbacks. Something we've talked about, I think, uh, one or two times before. And and Backer's approach to the game was just so wrong that by 30 minutes the whole thing was over, like as a as an absolute contest. It was just it was just over, and the players looked around as if to say, "We've gotten this so wrong that I have no idea what to do next." Like. Where do I where do I go from here and where, where do I like how do we build back into the game? 
and Poland just they smelt blood. I mean that, that was a that was a bunch of there was about half the team was was the was the regular team, and there was about three or four players in there that are looking to secure fringe players looking to secure their place in the Euros in the summer. And those fringe players really stepped up. They really played their 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 A game to try and build the best for themselves. Um, and we just looked like a class apart, an absolute class apart. And did you see that game as well, Rich? You were there, weren't you? Um, yeah, I watched the uh, the Poland game. It was just the like you know, Mark said Poland flew out of the blocks, and you know you, you don't need a game plan when you're playing a Finland team who's set up. There's not a huge amount of difference from I know it's a new era, a new manager, and everything, but you know, and there aren't only so much you can do with those players, but they just seemed to start so slowly that. Before they knew it, they were 2 0 down, and it was just they seemed like they didn't really know how to how to stop the flow and how to impress themselves on the game and how to you know the, the whole skill in controlling a game, which you know that needs to come from the players who can do that. Like Sparv is probably the best example, but again, stepping up to the next level, he needs to to do that on the international stage, but. Um, you know, there were injuries, it's a friendly, I know, but, you know, he needs to start looking, you know, Finland are in a very tough group for the World Cup qualifying, and they've got some very, very tough friendlies coming up. Uh, I mean, you, Poland and Norway, you've, you're moving on to Italy, and then the world's number one Belgium. team in Belgium. It's, um, you know, and it, it's going to be a bit of a, a hiding, really, unless they... they Backers spent that time working with the players and not just doing almost what Sven Goran Eriksson did with England was he watched lots, he picked the ones that impressed in the games that he saw, stick them in, but he needs to see how the whole system works and how getting that identity going. I think, I mean, I think it's difficult to try and pick the bones out of the attacking game because Poland were so um, dominant, but it just looked like, I mean, I think you've said previously on the on the show that Timo Pukki is the, runs around like a headless chicken or dog on a leash or something like that up top. That he just spends a lot of time running down channels against Poland. He didn't spend any time running down channels. He was he's very immobile. He, he didn't offer any particular outball. There wasn't a great deal of quality going over the top for him to look at. But but there wasn't the same kind of. So they played a four four two that was. It wasn't narrow, actually, but they played a 4-4-2 in a similar way that, that Marco Canaver played. But when Canaver played it, they they always stayed with inside basically their own uh, their own 18-yard line. And whenever the fullbacks came out or somebody came out wide to close down, there was someone close to cover the position or to cover the runner to go with him so that he wasn't isolated like they were against Poland. But in those games, Pukki, Pohjan, Palo, Kasper, Hamelainen ran around like crazy trying to get on the end of long balls that were thrown over on, on relatively regular occasions. It's very simple football, but it can be quite effective. And it did work for Canada against, let's face it, weaker opposition. This time around, though, it seemed like whenever we got the ball back, we tried a little bit uh, small interplay, small pa- pass in, in, our own, in our own half. And the Poles just loved it. They just went, great, we can live here. We'll just set camp in the finish half. And uh, and try and close them down as quickly as we can. We'll just run our legs off, and uh, without that kind of 
the ball out over the top and without the runs from from Buki or or Bohimpalo or Hamalainen, there wasn't any respite. There was, I mean, the, it went from one nil to three nil in fifteen minutes, and it did that because there was literally no escape for the guys at the back. I mean, you could even go as far as well to say that if you look at so they it was Toivio and Arayuri who played centre back. Big guys, strong guys, very good in a deep defence, not very good against quick players, not very good on the floor. I mean, not very good, but not the best on the floor. That's not their game. And you just, I, I sort of scratch my head and, and I look at it and I think, okay, Moisander had flu, got the flu, even though he recovered just in time to get back for Sampdoria when they came. So Moisander got the flu and he was out. But there wasn't any pace in, in the centre-backs. And you could tell that that when the Poles went forward, it was Arayuri, Toivio and Sparv that were in those kind of defensive zones. All three of those are good players, but not one of them has any pace and not one of them has any flexibility. And so there was that. That's what was missing. That's why, that's why we got done like statues over and over again. And, and so on to the, the next game, which was Norway. And was, did things did things improve? No, it was even worse. <laughs> it was. I mean, the, so the Scott like so the thing about in the in the Poland game <laughs> we got no no in the Poland game we got done like we got done five nil. It could have been six or seven. But in fairness, it looked like the whole team got absolutely caught by surprise. In the Norway game, we got done two nil by a team that cannot score. Have an incredibly hard time scoring, and and not only could they not score, but they had about six attackers that were injured and out for the game. So now they were in poor, the Norway game. Norway, Norway were poor. You could see they, are, they were poor as well, and there was they, they are they are they are a very poor team, and I mean. <laughs> so are we, obviously. <laughs> but the ta- so again, tactically, after being handed handed his backside to him, Backer went for a five. Okay, so the press called it a five-three-two. All the match reports that I saw called it a five-three-two. The second centre forward was was Roman Yeremenko, and there's just there's just no way on, on God's green earth that he played as a second centre forward. He was at best an attacking midfielder because when I when he watched the game, he was he was always looking for the ball when Finland had it, so he was always dropping deep. It's, I don't know if if it was the plan. I don't know if that was if it's just who he is as a player. But he came looking for the ball, and that made a four-man midfield on top of a five-man backline. And against a team that doesn't have a great deal of attacking threat, that is idiotic. Because because finally we played a team that didn't have particularly any pace up front, and then we picked three bloody centre backs to try and combat it, and. <sighs> The goal that we conceded, uh, it was just after halftime. Jo Inge Birgit, uh it drifted off the back of Toivio. Uh, and then in between Toivio and the fullback, which was Vila Yalasto, who, who hasn't been playing fullback for, for Hoyiko. He's been playing centre-back, but it's by the by. That's what happens when you play a back three. The striker usually he goes down the channel looking for that space, looking to blindside the centre-back and then come in behind. All three of the centre-backs watched the cross that came in. And by the time Vila Yalasto realized that, that uh, Burgate had drafted it into his zone, he couldn't get back in time to stop the tap-in again from inside the six-yard box. So, so again, we didn't really have... I mean, in the, in the Norway game, I can't think of any... Roman Yeremenko hit the post twice, but I can't think of any other attacking threat that we had. We never had a move. Like, we didn't... 
switch switch the play well or put in crosses. Pohian Palo, uh, he had a, a half chance on about 60 minutes when Schuler pinged the ball over the top too long and he tried to hit it on like a on the volley on the spin from about the edge of the six yard box and did well to get it on target, but it wasn't it was a it was a very difficult chance for him to control. So for me, <laughs> that was a lot very quickly. So for me, the Norway game was worse because we had time to react to the Poland defeat, look at the opponents, and then pick a way to play. And we picked a way to play in a plan for the Poland game and not for the Norway game that was coming up. So in a weird way, if Backer had have played 5-4-1 against Poland and 4-4-2 against Norway, we, we might have seen more joy. We certainly wouldn't have probably got thumped 5-1, or 5-0, sorry. Um, but the Poland game was, was a, I mean, it really hurt because... <sighs> Just just because the selection didn't seem right, we didn't we didn't we didn't even try to get a win. It looked like Bakke was going for a nil nil draw in Norway. Yeah, I must admit, I, Rich Rich had a, a, a an excuse for not making that game, didn't you, Rich? Um, yeah, I was at a breastfeeding class, and um, I could make some joke about. Um, yeah, it would sound like a carry-on film, but uh, I was sort of following it. And <laughs> I think we're writing our own jokes now. I'm <laughs> kidding myself. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you, you're not asking for much playing away to Norway. I know the attendance was poor and there was various media, media stories about why they're even playing Finland. They're not a box office draw, this, that, and the other. Um, but you... You know, if you play Norway, it's you're looking for more of a system, more of a, a learn your players, learn a, a different style of play to say away to Poland. But you know, like you say, you've pretty much come out of it feeling worse because you've lost a game that you know. I'm sure Finland going to Poland, yeah, you, you're not going to expect to get a win if they beat Germany a year ago, but to go to Norway and struggle to concede anything, sorry, to struggle to create anything, to to concede silly goals. And, you know, when that comes out, and, you know, that's four games now, and the first two, the friendlies in the Middle East, you never had four games, 11 goals conceded, no goals scored. It's, you know, it's a win percentage of zero. You know, and, and we're not even coming out of it going, well, at least he blooded these players or he, he's looking like he's trying something new. You know, he's struggling to to identify which players go in which position. We sort of mentioned before him about Thomas Lahm. You know, he, he just he doesn't even know where he plays at club level and he's still picking players on, on name or on the clubs they're linked with or the, you know, it's just... Actually, actually, Rick, that, that touches on something that was supposed to be one of Mark's news stories, which was this thing about Bakker and Lam and the, and the position he was playing. So, I mean, as I said, in the Poland game, we had uh, it was Arayuri Toivio and Sparv was your kind of defensive or your covering midfielder. Thomas Lam has pace. He's a young guy, and he's got he's very good on the ball. He's got very quick feet. I mean, uh, he's a, he's a very very good footballer who could be incredible, and I can. I, in a way, I can understand why Bakke thinks he's a midfielder because he's one of the best footballers with the ball at his feet in the Finnish squad. But he has been playing centre-back for Zwolle all year and he's been doing a very, very good job. And he's, I think he's 20. Is he 20 or 21? Something like that. Yeah. 
So it's so the guy so the guy that could have helped him was right there. And I think it's this is and this is the big question about about Backer and about about the Finnish management because the question is does he see Thomas Thomas Lamb playing for Zwolle? So and they've played by the way 20 22 games this season so far they're fifth in Eredivisie. It's not a good team. He's doing very well. So does he look at that and sees what see Lamb playing centre back and think I know better than that manager? I'll put him in. I'll, I'll wait for him in, in midfield, or does he not look at him at all? Because I can't understand why he's not there, particularly in a back three. I mean, like, so as mad as mad and as crazy as the back three is, you've then still picked a back three of essentially the same player. Like Valtteri Morin is younger than than Toivio and Arayuri, but he is a big unit, very good in the air, not very good on the on the floor, not particularly quick, doesn't turn well. But he's a, he is a good defender. He's playing well for Vosland Beveren in, in Belgium. But um, I mean, if you if you have the luxury of playing a back three, surely one of those should be able to bring the ball out. Surely one of those should be able to hit a pass twenty thirty yards. Surely one of those should have pace. And, and it and seems it, to me that even if even if Lam is a decent midfielder, if he's not really playing there all season, he's going to feel more comfortable or more accustomed to playing at the back. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Particularly against the type of guys that he faces on a weekly basis in the Dutch league. I mean, Berget, Berget plays for uh, Malmo, so in this in the in the Swedish leagues, it's a similar level to the Eredivisie. It's probably actually a lower level than the Eredivisie. So you you've got to you've got to back Lamb to beat a guy like that because he does so on a weekly basis domestically, and I think that's the bit that. Is is the is the most frustrating at all? Because I, I look at it and I think it's like he's playing champ manager or something like that. You know, he, he's not. He, he doesn't seem any any more informed. Oh, of course. Sorry, big thing. So, the update to the squad: Yuka Raitala was added to the squad because he tried to get Brian Hammerlinen from Denmark, the Danish guy, to come up because. He's got a grandmother that's Finnish, and Hamalainen refused because he feels Danish. You got right to look at the other player that was added to the squad at the last minute was Tim Vauren. Tim Vauren has played nine times in the German third division this season. He scored once. He scored once. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. A minute. He scored once in July this year, right? And he was called. He's called for the national team. And when the when it hit the fan and we went two nil down. Uh, Varanen was brought on. Number nine is back. Tim Varanen, bang. Right. Here is a list of things that have happened since Tim Varanen scored his last goal competitively. Rupiriski scored eight and 11 and won the Weikhausliga. In addition, he scored four in the Liga Cup and got the silver medal. Eromarkinen moved clubs twice. Right. He won the silver medal at Rops and he went to the quarterfinals in the Svenska Cup with AIK. Mika Varanen, no relation, scored for LA Galaxy in the CONCACAF Champions League. Timo Furuholm scored three in the same league that Vauranen is in, where he only scored one, then got injured for six months and came back. Came back. Started to play again. Jesse Garanen scored his goal from, like, 70 yards. Uh, Riku Riski played for, and sc- played for Rosenberg, IFK Gothenburg, Dundee United, and Rosenberg again, right, before Tim Vauranen got, got the call up. And it's like... Axley Palvas probably he scored. Axley Palvas scored nine. Boris Coco scored seven. Uh, Juha Makela scored six. So 
how Tim Varanen gets a call up is bleep machine beyond me. Right? I, I understand that Tim Varen is a good player, but the truth is he probably needs to go to another club where he'll get games, score goals, play regularly. <laughs> but there are so many there are so many things that have happened for other players so well. Rupert Risky put the title on a plate. He must be sitting at home thinking, Man, that German third division, I need to get myself on the bench in that division. Because that's how I'm gonna get into the national team. And you think <laughs> Sorry, I'm going and to it kind to. of and it kind of touches on what you've what you and that's a rant. That's a that's a beautiful. Sorry, rant. Uh, five I, episodes to get that, yeah, that kind of. Flow I don't goes. want. So I don't want. I don't want. Like I like Tim Varen. I think he's a good footballer. I think he's a good striker. It's not about Tim. It's about his selection for the national team. You can't play nine. You can't have nine substitute appearances in the German third league and then be. In the in the in the Finland squad. I mean, you could if there was nobody else, but there are other players. There are other players scoring goals, playing games, doing better. And I mean, I've 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 hit on Aaron Markkinen, not hit on him. I've, uh, <laughs> I've hit on Aaron Markkinen. <laughs> Just drunk. Hey, is is been to sixteen, Mark? Anything goes. Yeah, but so I've I, you know I've 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 laid into Aaron Markkinen for his Real Madrid move and all the other stuff. But he went to Robs, played games, scored goal. Got second, helped the team, went to AIK. He's playing. He's playing regularly. So, you know, he's done. He's there. He's done stuff. It's not like he's not great, but it's it's more than Tim Varane has done. And and I, I like I said, I, I want Tim Varane to be a very good player. I think he can be a very good player, but I don't see why he's in the national team right now. And Mark's paused to breathe, and so I think we. We should. We should. <laughs> he looks exhausted. Those on, listening on the podcast can't see it, but he looks exhausted. Um, and I think that's a perfect place to to leave the international friendlies <laughs> before we lose one of the three co-hosts of this uh, of this show. Um, and this is supposed to be the break for questions. And those that are watching live have not come up with the goods with regards to questions. Um, I think. People are busy at being Finland watching the Barcelona game that's just kicked off. <laughs> Why would anybody choose Barcelona over us? <laughs> this, this is Champions League. We are the Beezer Homes League. It's uh, Beezer <laughs> Homes League. Last yeah, that, the past. That, that's a that's one that's a reference that was not gonna not gonna go down. Not gonna mean much to those watching the watching the show now. Um, yeah. So let, let's. Perhaps move on. We move on to the Bakehouse Liga, and maybe now, Rich, this is this is where we start to um, where we start to get a little bit more from you, and uh, and let Mark get his uh, his blood pressure <laughs> down. You know, so far there's been, I think, three Bakehouse Liga fixtures, and actually two games played out of those three. So that's not the, the best start to the season. We, no. we started with uh, Hoyiko two, uh, Mariaham nil. And then uh, PK35, Vanta 3, Rops 4. And then on Saturday, the Inter and Asikor game was postponed because the pitch down in Torku wasn't, wasn't ready. What can, we, what can we learn from those, those games so far? Anything? Uh, I, I think certainly from the Hoyikor game, that was it's a, almost like a very standard home win for them. They're blooding some new players in. They played quite well, to be honest. Mariham didn't, you know, I'll be honest, didn't really turn up. Um, 
you know, Oiko had several chances before they took the lead and somehow Atan Tanaka, who makes me look like a giant, managed to leap and head home the first. And um, then Mikhail Forsell on his third spell at the club now, he um, he came on in a incorrectly spelt shirt and um, <laughs> and set up the second. It's, um, it's interesting because Tanaka was, you know, Hoyko was probably their best forward player last year, which isn't saying an awful lot, but, you know, he was in and out of games, but he did score goals. He's open with two this time. Um, their new signing from AC Milan, Odu, played on the left wing and he looked quite good. You know, he was quick. He hit the bar. Um, as I said on the WhatsApp group earlier, his transfer, his whole contractual situation at Milan is quite strange because he's 25 years old. He's been at Milan for six or seven years. He made one substitute appearance in 2010 and he's had, I think this is his seventh loan spell. And uh, the game on Saturday was his first competitive fixture in nearly a year, but he looked quite good. Um, He's a Nigerian international. He scored in the Confederations cup a couple of years ago in Brazil. So he's obviously got some talent. And, you know, if he gets a run of games in Vakehouse Liga, you know, fair play, it's a good spot. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, we talked about Forcell as well. He's he's coming back, you know, he's 35 now, but he's still going to bring that experience, a bit of the mentality of playing at a higher level. And especially Hoyikora trying to blood youngsters more, more in defence, to be honest. But, just having that sort of figure at the club, you know, he's not going to start many games, but he will figure and he will be important for the club as a whole. And he will score goals. Yes, he will. Yeah. That's, I mean, Hoi uh, uh, last year, that's, I mean, one of the areas that they struggled the most. Hmm. And, and also, I noticed also that Hoyiko play again on Saturday, so they could be kind of six points clear of most of the pack, you know, before some of the others even um, laced up their boots. It's actually Friday. Oh, is it Friday? Uh, Friday night, yeah. yeah. Home to uh, Vepsu. Um, so, yeah, they could open a, uh, a healthy lead over the other teams who haven't played yet. They, they, um, they, if they're playing Vepsu on Friday, they probably will be six points clear come Saturday yeah, morning. I think a, a nice home game for them to on a Friday to get the weekend out of the way. But, um, you know, they you know, don't want to draw too much inference into that. Um, I'd you know, when it comes to playing Asikor or, or even Rops, that's when we'll start judging them, really. But, um, yeah, you know, decent 2-0 win. And um, that was merely a starter for the second match of the day, which was um, PK-35-3, Rops 4. And I was I watched the first half when I was at work. I was very impressed with Banta. They, you know, win pre-season, they we've always said they will score goals. They've got quality centre-forwards. They've got Nyatsi Kucci. They've got Pablo Canago. They will score goals. But we've also seen that Rops team, who've lost so many key players, turn around in the second half and scored four. Uh, Villas Axman was excellent. Uh, Boris Koko got the winner. And, you know, it's uh, <laughs> if this is going to be like the entertainers of the season. They they absolutely lost the plot. PK35 yeah. and this I mean they when they went when the when the 3-1 goal goal went in 
they start. They went. They they crowded around the referee. They started like uh, it was a bit of argy bargy on the pitch, and you just sort of thought, it's you know it's three one. Just get it together. You know what I mean? Just just play ten minutes, five minutes. You know, keep keep ball. Just just keep them at arm's length, and they went for it, and they got. I mean, they got done in a in a really weird kind of naive way. Yeah, and it's it's a, it's a game management issue as well, where you know they've they've scored three goals in the first half of their first Vegas Liga game, and all of a sudden it's my God, what do we do? And we've seen in the preseason games and and last season where if results don't or if things don't go their way on the pitch, they do get quite flaky. They do surround the ref. They do get narky. Yeah. Um, and their previous cup game against. Um, Kutepe, they um, that was at the Palolito fines office yesterday, and yeah. um, that all got sorted out because of some fisticuffs at the end of that match. And uh, <laughs> it's it's going to be fun, I think, if they um, if they keep it up. I know um, Henry did a predictions thing with Mark and a couple of other guys, and most of them said they were most looking forward to seeing PK thirty five and what they get up to this year it's to be honest it's it's nice that it takes the spotlight off the coach because you know he's high profile enough but these players are a number of individuals who have very good and very bad qualities and it should be be entertaining because we see a lot of games that are low scoring and to have seven in one game you know, it's a nice treat. And uh, it was, it sort of demonstrated what we've been saying all along, that they are, um, they're like the Newcastle of the 90s. So, and good attendance <laughs> as well, let me say. Yeah, I, 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 I think as well, I just wanted to say that uh, Nyaji Kuchi is uh, old and he's big and he has that, he's got that knack of just sort of scoring goals. It hmm. he, he, he looks like he's doing nothing. For about five ten or well eighty five minutes, I was going to say five ten, but for eighty five minutes, and uh, he can score goals. And I think, I, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to have. A, I'm not. I wouldn't. I don't advise or encourage anybody to make any uh, financial investments in in probable outcomes or or betting. But he's not a bad shout as a dark horse for Golden Boot because yeah. he's going to get goals in a, in a regular regular intervals for for PK thirty five because they make chances. They play to his strengths absolutely. But I think we've seen sort of last year as well, you know, uh, an older, more experienced centre forward in a team in the sort of mid to lower range of the table. Yeah, you know, he'll get a lot of goals. I mean, Juha Makala scored was it eighteen last year, was it? Sixteen, um, I think he got sixteen. And you know, players like that, they may not contribute to the wider, the wider scheme of things, but they'll get on the end of things. And um, yeah, it's very. I think that they'll be good fun to watch. And how about previewing the season? That's what we've got so far. We've had yeah. two games, one postponement, <laughs> some interesting interesting ideas. But, but I mean, go on, Rich. You, you've read all of our predictions and, and you've, you've sat on the sidelines now long enough. I, Who's going yeah. down? Well, funny, um, everyone sort of mentions it was uh, Ilves and... VPS were the ones who generally got the the vibe that they'd struggle. Um, I, I would like to see a bit more of Kemi. Um, I'm not sure they've had a lot of personnel changes. Um, but, you know, some of the other teams in the, the sort of 
middle of the table have actually strengthened relatively well. I think, um, you know, Intertorku look good other than up front. I think I'm not sure how they're going to score too many of their goals, but they're looking more solid. Um, FC Lati look like they're signing Mika Varane. And uh, that that'll be a very interesting one. I think, um, again, it's someone who brings experience and quality to that team. Um, you know, they've got players, they, they'll score goals. Again, they may not be as, as exciting or as sort of crazy to watch, but yeah, I think, I think, I think they'll do well. Um, and yeah, yeah, sorry, go on, Mark. I was going to say, yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned Inter and, and they're like, for the last like five or six years, I, 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 when I, I mean, I first moved to Finland about a decade ago or something like that. And the, the Helsinki Turku rivalry was one of the kind of the, my, one of my favorite things from the, from that, from the time when I moved. Uh, but in the last like five or six years into Turku, I, I've been really like Bland. upset with because it seems whatever happens, they're going to finish like fourth or fifth, you know, like in that sort of kind of close, almost sort of there. But not really. And, and if something, if there's a player that's exciting, if there's a player that can do something, they're going to sell him like they're yeah. almost too, almost too well connected. And that's that's the thing that that it, that uh, it, it bugs me. And they have it. They have it. Uh, be saying online as well that they have a very good squ- or a decent squad this year. They do have. They can absolutely challenge. I guarantee. By the time we get to about August or September, when the the kind of regular European leagues kick off again, they'll be selling two or three players. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and dropping down back into mediocrity they'll, they'll mount as they do always a kind of a decent challenge they'll be second, third by the time we get to the midsummer break and it'll trail off it'll be interesting to see the, um, this is almost certainly Dragsman's last season in charge Yeah, uh, they've said they're not going to he probably won't renew a contract or they might not offer him one but um, you know he's been there since 2007 I think and you know other than they won the title when was that that was eight years ago yeah. um, they've not really they've done okay but again it's that sort of mediocrity enough to finish in the top half but um i think next next season's when we'll see some we might see some change there. i i mean, i hope so i mean it, 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 they do have the kind of sense of a, of a huge feeder as a very good feeder club somehow it, they, that's that's i mean maybe that's a bit harsh maybe that's a bit too much but but they could have gone on and done a lot more in the last couple of years if they if, they, if they'd have tried to keep the players but I, I, I always wish them well because I always think they've got the with the Veritas Stadium and with the fans that they've got. You know, it's Turku is a great place. It's a brilliant place when when the football's good. But I don't know. Somehow it seems a bit flat at the minute. It's interesting that we've started to preview the season with who's going to finish fourth or fifth. Most shows would start with who's going to who's going to finish top or who's gonna, who might come uh, bottom. So that's that's no, nothing like breaking with traditions. Well, if we could move on to that. I mean, I, I think we've got two teams who do look a cut above. Um, depending on how Atiko start, it's you know they it took them penalty shootout to get past Kemi in the cup today. They got to the Liga Cup final, obviously the champions, and they have. I'd say they've strengthened, but um, until they actually get. Interleague fixtures actually get into a rhythm. 
I, I would put them as very slight favourites in my book. Um, I think they've got the spine, the settled team, and they've added quality where they needed to, and they've kept Will Pariski. Um If he carries on as he has been, I mean, he's. I think he'll be the difference for them. He got the goal tonight. Yeah, he did. And, um, when, and they went down extra, in extra time as well. I think he got 116 minutes of that when <laughs> the kind of time when you have to get the goal. And it was just after they conceded as well. They eventually went up the other end. I just saw that you tweeted, Mark, uh, that one of the hosts of the show is a little bit worried about this season. And this this kind of last-minute winner, last-minute equaliser thing is not good. Not good for the nerves. Um, and I know that I want... Puck, who's not with us today, but who will be listening to the podcast, has, has made the comment a few times about the midfield. And... We've got probably two good quality midfields and you can't squeeze them all into one team. And yet, up front, apart from Risky, it does look a little bit like, like something's not quite there. Maybe it's the strength in depth or, I don't know. I'm not worried. Say, but I'm, not, I'm not feeling super confident. And I think that's probably was, reflected amongst the other Ashley Core fans. What was the Liga Cup final like? Not great, really. Stood yeah. stood on the touchline in the corner of the Warsport Arena. Um, never really felt never really felt in danger, and had a few half chances, but nothing much. I, I tell you what was really really noticeable. Um, and now, see, Julian's just woken up again, and he's got some comments because he was, <laughs> um, was um, uh, Alexei Aramenko, who. Um, was, uh, I mean, he's he's a very good footballer and his passing is just incredible. Um, but he was playing so deep and he would sometimes pick the ball up from the centre-backs. He's playing this quarterback role, you know, that Beckham did in his later life and pinging yeah. immaculate passes out wide to the wings. And sometimes the player that the, the, they were aimed at actually got the ball under control but then there was nothing. There was no kind of final final ball in or whatever. And I'd like to see him playing much further forward. He's got lots of younger players around him. He he was moving around, but he was moving around very slowly. And I'd we, I think I'd rather he played up front, played that link between a younger, more energetic midfield and Rope Risky up front, and do his magic there in that area, sort of just in front of the penalty box. That's. That's kind of the thing that, that really stood out on that day for us. And, of course, he's coming back to, you know, uh, hopefully into better fitness, pre-season training and getting into playing regular games in the, in the league will make a difference. But stay up there. Don't, don't, don't try and cover the whole pitch slowly. Stay in that area where you can really do some damage. He's not a good trainer, oh, no. Alexei Yeremenko. Okay, he doesn't like it. He started a lot in, Kil- in Kilmarnock. I think I can't remember. I think he was there four four years. Can't remember like in his second stint, and I can't remember a season when he when I didn't see the the headline. Alexei needs to trim down, lose weight, and get back into shape before we can consider him for the team. I mean, he always in Kilmarnock. He always in his kind of semi prime. He always got into the team, but at the start of every season, he was always in the same slightly rotund shape. And so, but what about the fans? I mean, what about like, uh, in, what about in the stands? I mean, so uh, Esiko aren't scoring as much 
as, as, as often, as, as regularly as they were at the end of last season? Are fans happy, worried, concerned? Um, Pretty, well, like, I mean, Julian's, Julian's just made the comment that the, and I, I'll paraphrase, though I don't think that Ashikor win this, win this season, but they're still better than last year as a team. Um, the League Cup final was not very good. Um, and that the, neither team created really created anything much in the in the final. I, I don't think people are worried. It, it's a bit it's a bit difficult because the you know there's there's been a few home games in the Liga Cup in inside. There's not that many people there really in those in those games. We don't have a, a stand yet because the new stadium is is still being constructed and we haven't had the first home game league game of the season yet. That's that comes next Thursday. Um, I think. A little bit, a little bit concerned with the things that I've that I've said. That would that would seem to be the uh, the general the general feeling, and hopeful that as yeah, again, maybe I've maybe I've sort of articulated the things that we've been talking about. That that as the season comes, they'll start to get. There's, there's a lot of players come in still. A lot of players still to to sort of gel together. Um, defensively, looks looks good. Herme. Kane, Mete, all come in and, and strengthened. Just not. It's just the creativity thing at the moment. It's not quite happening. Yeah. Um, so, Rich, you fancy Esiko or Hoyiko? Um, I go for Esiko. Just, I think. Um, I know Hoyiko underperformed so much last season, and this was the that was the lowest title-winning points tally for ages. Um, but I think. Risky once he gets going, I think will be more consistent, and I think he'll get enough goals that you know. I think once they get into the new stadium and once that gets out of the way, and I know Julian mentioned that Asiko sometimes struggle playing indoors anyway. Um, I think you know now they've had a bit of time to play outside. They tonight um, the cup game was played outdoors. Um, I think once the season gets going. You know they'll they'll start. Um, Hoyiko, I, I like the look of them, but I, I just don't see them. I don't. I don't think that. I don't think they're any better now than when they ended last season. If, if I'm if I'm totally honest, I, I think maybe they're a bit better because they've got maybe Miklu who can finish. But I don't think they're. I don't think they're that good. Tanaka, if Tanaka scores, if if Tanaka and if Morellas become the players that they should be then they might win the league. Hmm. But I don't think they're... I mean, I don't think that they're better. I don't think Roths are better. That's... No. I mean, so, I, I like... And I, I think that's kind of... It's kind of... It's a really strange one for me. I don't think even SE Core are that much better than they were last year uh, because of the way that they're playing. But I think, I think they'll be more... Sec- at the back. I mean, they, they've, they've yeah. tightened up there and, and, and bought some strength and some class with Hermé. Well... Simo's Simo Valakari is not um he's not naive. He'll be looking essentially basically at European competition and thinking, I can't go into that with the same backline that I had last year. I need I need to be able to go to Reykjavik and, and keep a clean sheet. They'd like when eventually they get drawn against an Icelandic team. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I think that's I think that's essentially the the kind of the kind of issue. He's looking at European and the next step and Pushing them forward, so they're roughly about where they were last year. And I think, I think, yeah, Hoiko maybe even are probably not not as strong as they were when they ended last season. 
The, uh, I just wanted to, before we before we move on to any other teams, the message board's just gone nuts, and they're all talking about everything other than the three teams that we've been talking about so far. So it's very difficult to keep track of what you guys are saying. Um, we, we seem to be talking about the, the, the championship contenders, and they're all talking about relegation, which is uh, relegation is, in fairness, a lot more interesting this year because I think I think you look at you look at somebody like Ilves, and I reckon Ilves will go down. With with fair PS because I can't see them scoring a lot of goals, but somebody like even PS Kemi, PS Kemi came up and by rights they should run out of steam by about July August, and um, should should probably go back back down. With all respect to to PS Kemi, even though they didn't send me a shirt, um, <laughs> they should go. I I take any shirt really, but but um, but they should go back down. But I don't. I think because Ilves are struggling, Coops are struggling, Marienham, EFK Marienham are struggling. Um, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of teams sort of down there that that could go. Yeah, I mean, I I said last month. I think Coops will struggle. Uh, I know they've signed some. Um, Nigerian B internationals or whatever they are, but um, you know, I, they just seem the last couple of years to have just died on their. I was going to say a naughty word. Um, Backside, but uh, yeah, that um, yeah, they, you know, when they've signed Aritalo, who looks like their most experienced goal threat, <laughs> you know, and uh, and they've got the. 19-year-old kid who used to be in Hanson on the wing. I think um, the uh, I, I fear for them to be honest, but um, but like you say, I mean, there's probably six or seven teams who a push could could be involved in the bottom two or three. The message board yeah. seems to think that Coops should be okay, that uh, Mariaham should be okay. Um, Nobody's said anything about your suggestions so far. Come on, message board. Let us know who do you who do you really think is going to go down? We can laugh at Fernando Torres has just scored a goal. But... Oh, the message board against, will go ba- against Barca. Yeah. yeah. Ilves, Ilves will go down. Hmm. I think for sure, and, and I think that. So I, I had VPS to go down with them as well as as Julian does. Oh no, if Julian says VPS will be okay. I got them to go down because they relied on Johan Makala last season. He scored about half their goals. And I think without those goals, they would have been bottom of the table very easily last year. I can't see uh, Morrissey getting them. I do like Puru Soiri. If he gets a chance, I kind of hope he gets a chance. But then a relegation fight is a very difficult place for a 19-year-old. That being said, you know, if he can score goals, then I'll be very happy. And does anyone have anything else to add to this Bakehouse Liga preview? Um, no, I don't think anything that hasn't already been said or I could do some plugs for my season preview or the predictions or the transfer page or the... Or, your, my... or the fa- fashion, the shirt preview. Yeah, that was actually the most popular one. I think that's, yeah. I think that's, a, good, I think that's a good point, um, Rich. You have, you have kind of got quite a bit of other additional... Uh, material covering some of these these and um, we seem to have touched on the top started in the middle went to the top we touched relegation we've been talking for well over an hour now um, and the people watching has grown the chat board has perked up um, let's see what are we saying here Elias is saying Hoyikor, Asikor, Inter and Lati are safe 
After that, anything can happen. Ilaves are huge favourites to go down. Coops is a big question mark, and also Kemi and uh, Hifki might also struggle this year. So that is four at the top, okay. Four at the bottom in trouble, and that leaves four in the middle. Julian says, "What about Rops?" I think I mean they'll be fine. Um, I think they've lost so many key players, either through transfers or obviously Ocken and being injured and. I'm sure Mark will touch on the Yagubi as well, but um, they—I mean—they they won't go down, they won't struggle, but uh, Rob, they're not going to get second. Rob Taylor looked good. I mean, he's, yeah. he scored. I mean, it was—he scored. It wasn't a great. I mean, it was a good goal, but I think the keeper should have should have probably yeah. handled handled it a lot better. But he—but in general, he played very well in, in the middle of the pitch. He was quite creative. Didn't lose the ball a lot. He was—I I, I like the look of Rob Taylor. Where did he come from, Rob? Corpio. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's a Finnish. He's a Finnish under twenty-one. Ah, okay. Uh, 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 he was a youth school, wasn't he? Yeah, G G Y I was going to say J J K, and something kicked in in my brain. I'm sure if I remember, he once was on the books of Barnet. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it could be Barnet, Late Orient, somewhere like that. I'm not sure. Probably Barnet. Yeah. Yeah, and um, as you're, yeah, as you're no. a Geordie, Mark, we'll let you get away with saying Leighton Orient and Barnet as kind of, you know, somewhere in the same area. All those from Western North let's London will be going nuts. Let, right let's face it, Mark, for you and me, it's all down south. <laughs> from here? Yeah, that's that's true. Of course. That's true. Almost everything's down south from here. It's all down south. Okay, well then, maybe that's time to wrap it up. Uh, message board, guys, thank you so much for being busy it's it's now flooding in i can't i can't even keep up with it i think jules has run out of words which is which is fine we we've almost run out of words as well he's going for it um rich just mentioned um some of his recent articles there's there's an article on escape to com showing all the 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 new kits this year for the for the vacas liga teams i think a generally pretty uninspired bunch really um what yeah, well, I, I think. Come on, okay, Rich, Rich, show us your shirt. You've been you've been sitting there in your new shirt all day. I've got the um, yeah, PK thirty five model. You yes, know what I mean? Not the, not the best light. Yeah. On the catwalk. <laughs> yeah, on the catwalk. <laughs> on the catwalk. Yeah. After the rent, sorry, we've sorry. now got the singing. <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I think um, that that kit one was the most popular purely because. One, I somehow managed to discover that Lati could fit an even bigger sponsor in the middle, and it was a uh, Pico. Uh, sorry, it was Kemi changing from a very interesting, apparently custom-made shirt to something that looked like it belonged in a bargain bin at a car wash. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was a pain. Uh, and then you've also got your predictions article that came out today, and you've got a, a general season preview as well. So they're, they're well worth checking out. Um, and I think on fcsuomi.com there was a, uh, a post-mortem, shall we call it, from the international games. Uh, no, I mean uh, the last, the last one, the last update on the on the site is is a is a roundup of the the action last weekend. So it's which it which was a bit of an international hangover in that um, most of the players returned to their domestic leagues and very few of them did did very well. Um, a lot of them, I mean, like guys like Yonatoy Vio Paulo Sarri, after playing 
two games in in three four days didn't didn't feature well didn't play well so it was about how the, how they performed after how they're doing in general and you also had a rich you had an interview with the with um archie the um the hoyi corps fan that is seen at the top of your Twitter feed falling on his head from the stand, which is a staggering <laughs> picture, and uh, it's interesting yeah. maybe to speak of that. Well, funny enough, I, um, I didn't, I've not actually met him, but I, I know a couple of people who have, and, and said he's a, he's a character, I think is the nicer <laughs> way to put it. Um, you know, I, it, to be honest, I, I've done so many interviews over the winter that, you know, some have been better than others, and, you know, my, my favourite recent one was Sebastian Strandval and I've done some that have just been one word answers, but, um, but no, this was good. You know, he, he was the guy who was pictured on his own in the end in Kazakhstan when uh, Hoyko played out there. Um, you know, he fell on his head and claimed, he claimed he was sober at the time. Um, um, but, um, also which got him in my good books was he said he was an Arsenal fan and hoped that, uh, Hoyko would draw Arsenal and, the Champions League at some point, but uh, you know, I think uh, his imagination was getting the better of him. Then he's an, he's an optimist, and all all true football yeah. fans are optimists for their team. Yeah, guess, so. yeah you, you gotta be. But um, yeah, no, that was a that was a good one, and um, yeah, he he was actually quite critical of um, some parts of Hoyko, which was interesting because uh, you know some of the issues around the game they played against Liverpool last year. He had his trip booked to Mariham for the, the game that was postponed to accommodate that friendly. Um, and some interesting suggestions about, you know, how clubs could engage with their fans better, which, you know, and even Hoyko, who were probably the most open marketed club in the country, you know, he's given some quite honest feedback about them as well. Perfect. Thanks very much. Uh, for those that are watching live, if you want to listen to this again, if you joined us late and you want to listen to the whole thing over, Alicante, you missed Mark's rant and it's well worth catching. So, you know, check out the podcast. It'll be coming in a few days' time. Thanks to everyone that joined us. Thanks to those listening on the podcast. We love you all equally, some more <laughs> equally than others. And And we'll be going off the record now. Remember, if you want to find out what fascinating stuff goes on when we go off the record, then you have to tune in live. Um, For those listening on the podcast, I'm afraid this is your lot. Here comes the theme tune.